Taste Buds, today's House of Carbs brought to us by our good pals at Uber Eats. For all of you hungry homies, you culinary comrades out there that are in the restaurant biz, you want to get your food out to the culinary comrades out there, let me tell you, Uber Eats is a fast, reliable way to get food to your customers and grow your delicious food business through delivery. Thousands of people can find you on Uber Eats. It's more than thousands. Come on, Uber Eats. It's, 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 it's millions of people can find you on Uber Eats. And they have a vast network that averages deliveries in 36 minutes. You will also get real-time order and payment information from start to finish. Check out all the ways Uber Eats can help you grow your food business at ubereats.com slash restaurant. That is ubereats.com slash restaurant. Taste Buds Today's show also brought to us by our pals at Yahoo Sports as a food enthusiast. My hungry homies, when I think of the holidays, you know this. I think of turkey and stuffing. I think of beautiful rib roast and sweet potatoes, yams, fruitcake, and football. That's right. During the holidays, I am also hungry for the National Football League to satisfy my appetite, especially when I'm on the go. I'm using the Yahoo Sports mobile app with it. I can watch local, that is the Deadskins, and primetime games live on my phone all season long. The Deadskins, by the way, are still in the mix, producer Kyle. NFC East is up for grabs. I mean, a little bit of good luck one way or the other, right? I just enjoy watching you guys duke it out every we're, year. It's great. We're, we're, we're still alive. Nobody, nobody knows if it's 15. an awesome division or a terrible one. It's just, I love it. It's great. It's just, <laughs> it's a soap opera. Well, I'm, I'm never missing the big NFL matchups like the Deadskins against the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Mm. That's my favorite team in Action. Given the hustle and bustle. Oh, wait a minute. That's Saturday. Titans Deadskins is Saturday. Given the hustle and bustle of the season, shoot, I have to reschedule some of my uh, <laughs> my last minute Christmas planning. Lord have mercy. The, this app really is a true football miracle. Taste buds, download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and have the best holiday ever. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Hobby, hobby, taste buds. Culinary comrades, welcome, welcome, welcome. We've done it. It is House of Carbs, the Hungry People Food Podcast. <laughs> it is podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. It is Christmas. As you can tell, I'm very excited. I've been excited really since Thanksgiving. Producer Kyle. You know, once we get going with the holidays, this is my time. This is eating season. I can't help myself. We are trying our best over the, the these this, these uh, December shows to do some some summarizing of the food year that was 2018. We're giving out some superlatives. We have the superlative Andy Greenwald. He's back from filming his his own pilot uh, television show. We managed to grab him away from his set and come talk to us a little bit about his experience with the best 
food television in 2018. We had a few shows we agreed on and a few shows we disagreed on, and it was a pretty good conversation, if I do say so myself. Of course, Juliet is here for the food news, but let's get in that belly with the homie Andy Greenwald. All right, my taste buds, as you know, we are officially and affirmatively in superlative season here at the end of 2018, and we are taking this moment, this opportunity to recognize great things in the world of food. Last week, we had on Danny Chow came on, told us about 10 of the best things that he ate this year. We absolutely positively must talk about the incredible moment that we are in with with food media nobody better to have that conversation with than our resident expert on food tv andy greenwald welcome back no, no one no one better or no one better and available i'll take oh, i'll take either you. i'll take either no well well look uh before we're, we're gonna hit you know the the, the <laughs> moment in in food tv and look back at 2018 and cover some important territory but uh, the hungry homies should know p- part of the reason that that we haven't had an opportunity to chat with you since the summer is you've been busy. Your project, uh, Briar Patch, on which yeah. you are the screenwriter, what executive producer, director, not what, director. How many hats are you wearing? I wear. How many hats? I am the creator, writer, and executive producer and showrunner. <laughs> well, and, oh, and I mean, okay, and resident food TV expert, which does not come up but very often. Well, hey, let, let's talk about that for 10 seconds. Okay. Uh, let, let's share with everybody kind of the, the, the status. Where, how far away are we from, from this pilot you know, debuting? It's on USA Network, right? It would be on USA Network. Uh, we are in a moment where I'm feeling very positive, but uh, there has been no news to share uh, about okay. the status okay. of the show. But, but we, it's been a great okay. experience, and I'm feeling very positive. And relevant to this show, and this is, this is breaking news, I spent so many hours, hours, hours watching this thing in post-production. And it was only then that I realized that basically every joke I wrote in the script is food-based. Like, it is no greater window into what I actually care about than realizing that all the laugh lines in the script, hopefully laugh lines, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, have some basis in, in, in food. This is why you are our homie. This is why you you are you are our guy. You are here with us in 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 our vehicle and on our spaceship. I want to ask you one thing yeah. uh, about the the Briar Patch experience, and it is this: with all those hats that you wore, right? It, it suggests that you have a level of control, a level of input, a little a level of oversight. Um. That 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 conveys perhaps into you having a say in the craft service table. Great question. Now, I I think this is by the way this is a whole other uh, segment you should do on this podcast. I was not. Oh, pre- I'm going to do it with you, brother. Oh, okay, I'm We're going to do this segment. Not I, right now, but I just you know we have the you you're here. You just lived through it. Let's talk I, about. I was not prepared for the level of food, the level of feeding that they do for you. It is outrageous. I, for many years, and continue to be on some level the kind of person who's like, look, it's not coal mining, but writing or making something can be hard work. I no longer feel uh, able to say that with a straight face 
And that ended on day one of shooting when we were sitting, we were at an airfield, like 20 minutes outside of Albuquerque, sitting under a tent under the baking sun. We've been there for about 55 minutes. And lovely young woman comes up and says, I'm sorry to interrupt. Would you like a parfait? And it was downhill from there, baby. It is. <laughs> Would you like a parfait? She just had a tray what are you of about? freshly prepared Greek yogurt parfaits. She's like, I recommend this pistachio and honey melange. I just tried it for the first time. I think it's great. They bring you snacks in between the outrageous meals that they serve you. And the entire time, there's a truck parked, I don't know, like less than a five minute walk from wherever you may be, that is just a bodega on wheels. It's just every Bro- snack that you might want, a lot that you shouldn't have just there. It, it's dangerous. Don't go Hollywood on us. Come on, Greenwald. It's, Don't go Hollywood on us. This was Albuquerque, baby. This has nothing to do with Hollywood. <laughs> and look, I, I'm saying if you're holding a light or like a big boom mic, you know, maybe you need those extra uh, cheddar and sour cream ruffles or, or, you know, the taco bar after the barbacoa lunch or whatever it may have been. I don't need that. But boy, is it tempting. It is a well-fed is- industry. Yeah, how do the logistics of that work? Of my own uh, snacking? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there are two giant meals at, at, at during the during a, a shooting day, uh, technically breakfast and lunch, and they remain breakfast and lunch even if you start the day at 5 p.m. and go till 5 a.m. Uh, and when you arrive, you can, they'll make you breakfast tacos, burritos, there's eggs, hash browns, pancakes, whatever you want. But th- this is what I'm asking. Who's they and where is the kitchen? So there is, uh, there's two, there's two, I'm so happy we're talking about this. I have not been able to unburden myself (laughs) since this experience. So there are caterers that are hired by the production. And I was lucky to work with a great line producer and a great veteran UPM, unit production manager, who hired a catering team that they had worked with before. And they were tremendous. And so at base camp, where all the trailers are and costumes, hair and makeup, they set up there uh, for breakfast and lunch, usually. And you go there twice for those for those meals. And then, you know, like a, a lunch could be one day it'll be, uh, I mean, there's a pasta bar day or there's there's Kansas City barbecue or one day they were doing beer can chicken for everybody. And there's always choices. Ooh. There's always a salad bar. There's always you can always you can always do just about anything, which is dangerous. And then and the caterer. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. please. No, let, let's get into it. Well, just like. So your unit production manager had this experience with this catering company and was yes. able to um, vouch for them and, and validate and bring them on board. Where, where is this caterer based? This caterer, and I feel terrible. I wasn't prepared for this, so I don't have the name in front of me because I'd love to shout them out. They were great. They actually have business. They have trucks and people in L.A. and Albuquerque because there's so much work there. So they had worked with them oh. in L.A., and then there they were in Albuquerque as well. Um, and then there's a separate entity which is craft services, which is just like the crafty truck, you know, and you can just walk over there and yeah. just get peanuts or popcorn or iced coffee. or And, there's, and then there, there are coolers full of drinks just at, at intervals. Like if you just walk down the street, you follow the lighting cables, there'll be a cooler there. Open it up. Sure, I'd like a Perrier. Why not? I deserve it. I've been sitting in a chair all day. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It's dangerous. And to be fair, so it, you the the your what you're calling base camp. How many human beings are physically there working? A couple hundred. I mean, all told, in a production, there's a couple hundred people. It, it, base camp is busy in the morning, and then you know people take vans to wherever you're shooting that day. This was a pilot, so we had no set, so we were always on location. And then when it's when you break for lunch or you get to break for lunch, either they've set it up near to where you're going to be all day, 
uh, they've moved themselves or you hop a van back to base camp uh, and, and eat there. And, and I want to reiterate, yes, I am pampered and potentially veering towards overweight due to this experience. This is for everybody. This is not just for the for the for the fancy boys sitting on the, sh- the chairs. This is for the people who are actually doing the work uh, to avail themselves of because these are long days. But I yeah, did, that, that make everybody that makes sense. What I want you to understand and the listeners of House of Carbs who I respect too much to lie to everyone gets a parfait. Everyone gets a parfait. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do any better than that on this podcast, really, for, for today's show or any show that we've done all year long. But, it, but, it, but it's worth, Every, it's We worth, might have to change the name to Everyone Gets a Parfait. You should make, so it, you should make, you should make uh, T-shirts for that. I, it's also the other value of this, and I hope that, that, that maybe, maybe you'll make it. Maybe you'll come to set if we get to make more of these and we could do a New oh, Mexico wow. food crawl. I, mean, I, would, I would love if that. If the food is like this, then I, I mean, I'm inviting myself. Because what are we talking about? We haven't even talked about New Mexican cuisine, which is a thing and and is worthy of your attention and the attention of all the listeners of this podcast. But the other value of all this food is that my, my young daughters, who have no idea what I do or what I'm doing, and that's fine, the only thing that made my older daughter interested in the slightest was when I told her there was constantly free snacks. Then her eye, then, she, then she perked up. So that's going to be my right. way to get her to respect and validate me. So, which yeah, is see, which I, is really had, the goal here. I had no idea this was going to be such a rich topic <laughs> right. with um, all so... the all these possibilities. What I imagined yes. was a a single truck with a uh, a slatted silver roll up uh, sort of cabinet and and a person you know in kind of a half food truck manner you know, able to, to sort of receive your order and out comes a turkey sandwich and a bag of chips and a, and a, and a water. I had no, I mean, wow. obviously, uh, in the 21st century here, my, my idea, I, I imagine like one of the, what you'd see at a construction site here in downtown DC. Now these are God bless the unions, all of our unions, because I mean, that Wednesday was tamale day. I mean, it was really, <laughs> it was really outrageous. Okay. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad we tapped this. We're, this is obviously a vein that we need to go go down mm-hmm. all of because I, I I'm very interested. I didn't realize um, that Albuquerque had become you know a, a destination for for film and, and TV video shoot. It's huge. Uh, it's it's really uh, thanks to the great locations, the great people. There's a lot of talent there. There's also some truly great tax breaks. Um, but there is it's a li- it's a little Hollywood slightly east. Uh, and there's a lot I of production see. there. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I know uh, Vancouver has that reputation. Yes. South Carolina has some some things going on. Atlanta now. Uh, and it. Okay, great. But but uh, yeah, I I'm I'm highly intrigued by this idea of of New Mexico food. Yeah. So I I've talked a little bit about this on the watch, and I I, I want to get you out there because I think that you possess the two traits necessary to appreciate it. One, you have a you have an inquisitive mind and a great palate, and you like good food. But two, it's a it's a volume business. It is a, oh, it, is yeah. a it is a quantity thing. We're what, talking to the right guy. What you need to understand is imagine Tex Mex, which is a legitimate cuisine, you know, and, and is different than Mexican food uh, as served in Mexico for the most part. But you know, there's a lot of uh, it's a it's a heavy plate. There's a lot of cheese. Um, you get the platters with enchiladas or beans and rice, things like that. Imagine that, but imagine it with a with bright fresh salsas, so fruity and spicy. Oh. That you actually oh. cannot survive alone with the rice and the beans to counteract it. So they also often serve potatoes, and because you need a starch, you need to, to yes. uh, process 
how how um you know lively this salsa is exactly and then there's something called a sopapilla which is basically like uh it's like a puffy tortilla yeah. made of flour it's like yes. a it, it's it's like Wonderful. a, a non sweetened donut but they will serve that with with your food and there are squeeze bottles of honey on the table to apply to the sopapilla that you then dip into all the other starches that are on your plate Oh my gosh! So I had no idea. It's, I'm familiar with the sopapilla, but I this idea yeah. of honey, and I was anticipating you describing it as another vehicle by <laughs> which to to kind of carry the, yes. the salsa to to it know, take down the the, but but the honey, and then and then you're taking on the starches because you have the sticky sub topical mm-hmm. uh, uh, factor of of. Um, the honey and then it the grabbing on to, to morsels of rice. I mean, rice and bean. I mean, are you kidding me? It's, what are we talking about? You're going to love it. And my issue oh. is I love it, but I'm like a once a week, maybe once every four days guy. Because first of all, you know, I'm full up on parfaits. Like that's just that's how I roll. <laughs> but everyone gets a parfait. But I can't. I feel disrespectful towards the local cuisine and culture where I'm like, I would love to celebrate this, but I can't celebrate it every day. <laughs> So I need someone with a with a, a a a more robust appetite to join me on an adventure. Well, I I will I'll prepare for this one. This will I'll do a week of of organic and and <laughs> do a cleanse. You know, I'll 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 go I'll come in super lean and super hungry. <laughs> okay. I'll come in a little ornery for that one. Oh, boy, that sounds spectacular. And you combine that cuisine with you know, come in the summer. It'll be a nice. It'll be a balmy 115. You'll love it. <laughs> They have golf in New Mexico. I'm sure they've got a lot of land, so I'm sure there's golf. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, that's that's terrific. Thank you so much. I I really uh, like I say I didn't anticipate um, how, how the the depths of of this conversation, and so it just means that that we're going to have really a, a whole thing devoted to it. And I'm looking forward to that in 2019. Maybe coincident with the debut of of, of the show. Uh, and as it as it premieres and and several episodes run, and they announce the renewal, oh, and and let's hope. we'll we'll just have we'll just explore it all. I can't wait. I, the invitation is open. Taste buds, more Andy Greenwald in a second. Quick word from a couple of our good friends. First, how about Hotel Tonight? Here is a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked, and Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you got to try the Hotel Tonight. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about my own personal experience. You you don't have to go through the, the never-ending list. You're scrolling and all that kind of nonsense. They're giving you a, a select list of incredible deals at cool hotels that they think that you are going to prefer, that you're going to love. And they're giving short profiles, pictures of what the rooms look like. And they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can also book in advance, which means if you're trying to do something spontaneous like a weekend getaway, boom, hotel tonight. Three-day weekend, boom, hotel tonight. Staycation, boom, boom, hotel tonight. Road trip, business trip, booking a place with a pool. I mean, sometimes a place with a pool comes in handy. And more. I, my own self, I had to go to New York. Uh, I hadn't planned on it. It was middle of... November. I went up. I hit the app. The app is on my phone. If I took a picture right now, if I could take a picture of my phone with my phone, I would do it and send it out to you. But uh, it's called the screenshot. It's called the screenshot. The hotels. 
the hotels. Screenshot. That's what it's called. <laughs> Thank you, producer Kyle. Oh, man. But you can't screenshot the app. Why not? Sitting on the phone, can you? Yeah, of course you can. Uh, we'll talk after. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're in production. Oh, man. And, I, and I'm in dumb old man content. I, speaking of dumb old man content, this Hotel Tonight app is so easy to use that even an old dummy like me could use it. And they knew me. They did indeed populate my choices in New York City, in Midtown, with unbelievable deals. I don't, I, I'm not sure if, you, if I'm allowed to say the hotels or not, uh, but who cares? How about this? They can, they can tell me I broke the law. They, they put up the, the Pierre Hotel for a Friday night. The Pierre is, is majestic. It's wonderful. And a great restaurant in there, too. Uh, slightly upper east. It's like Fifth Avenue-ish, uh, uh, you know, in, in the 50s, 60s, you know, right, right wow. at the plaza in the Central Park is right there. Prime real estate. It's awesome. It's an awesome hotel. And the price, I won't say the price. That's what, that was what somebody might get mad at. It was an unbelievable price for the pier. Now, I didn't stay there because I needed to be further downtown. But I'm telling you, to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels like the Pierre, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Speaking of the invitation, the reason that you are here today, Brother Greenwald, uh, and, and thank you for sharing all of that, is we, we want to take a look back at, at the 2018, the year in, in television. There are some some uh, high watermarks, and the, the real challenge for me of 2018 was the, 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 the simple uh, quantity of outstanding television viewing available to us. Uh, you and I had uh, compared notes because we're both devotees of the, of the Top Chef. You, you you eat more so than than me. I mean, you your 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 uh, love for the show and and your fluency with the with the whole ethos far exceeds my own. I'm I'm just a, a, a simple fan. But let's let's begin with Top Chef because season fifteen in Denver, Colorado, or just Colorado, the Greater Colorado, Telluride, all over. Um, ended in March, and now we have the premiere of season sixteen in Kentucky. Um, you uh, and I compare notes on the end of of season fifteen. What are your early thoughts on season sixteen? Could not could not be more excited and more positive. I don't know what happened. I don't know whether there was new blood in the production offices, the casting offices, or maybe. It's a generational thing where there's a new crop of talented, you know, jun- not necessarily always junior level, but younger chefs willing to make this journey and willing to, to to give up their time and their lives to go on the show. But this season, two episodes in, feels like the shot of adrenaline the Top Chef needed. Not because they've changed anything about the framework of the show, which is, again, another reason why I respect it so much. But this is the best and brightest crop of candidates on the show in five or six years. I, I should have like run the numbers and considered when I thought there was a, a, a cast this talented, but immediately you can tell there are serious contenders, they're interesting, diverse contenders. There are people who are there for, and I hate to say it, but shout out to the podcast uh, that ins- the shout out to the podcast, if not the uh, reality shows that inspired the name of it, who are there for the right reasons. Um, <laughs> and it feels like uh, it, it feels like it feels like falling in love again. I, I'm really, really happy about it, and it and it didn't rely like the past season, uh, uh, like the past season did, on uh, recycling old favorites. There are old favorites, including your beloved brother Love, on yeah. uh, Last Chance Kitchen this year, which I think is a better way to do it. 
But right from jump, there were just some terrific candidates, and it feels it, if you if you've gone away from the show, jump in because this is going to be a this is going to be a barn burner of a season. Yeah, it, the the bar has been set so high in terms of the the quality of the food and the quality of the background of the contestants. Uh, I don't recall the chef on in the premiere episode who prepared a dish that where Tom had the reaction. He he'd never experienced a a, a taste like that before. Yes, right? yes. I'm, I'm, uh, do you you know what I'm w- talking? Was about, that right? the soup? Was that David Viana's soup? It was the soup. Yes, exactly, exactly. David, by the way, my my, it's not really going out on a limb to say that that he looks like he's going to be a guy that's around for the long haul. Well, you'd say that, but then this season already uh, an potentially unprecedented upset two weeks in. Now I apologize. If people are behind on on week two, but it's we're pretty early. Uh, my my candidate to win the season, who off, off of one episode, who won the first episode's um, elimination challenge, Natalie from my hometown yeah. Philadelphia, goes out in a shocking shocking result in episode two. I was heartbroken because when I was preparing to talk to you about this great new crop of contestants, she was way up on the list. But it does go to show that. Despite this being season 16, we can still see things we haven't seen before. It is still going to be a challenge by challenge um, consideration. And the whole clusterfuck at the Whole Foods in the second episode, you'd think right. that happens all the time on the show, but it honestly hasn't. And I appreciated the way we saw something new, but I also very much appreciated the way the show didn't shy away from uh, Eddie's just absolute despair over his culpability in this whole fiasco it does feel like the stakes have been raised because of the elevated stature of this group and i think part of eddie's despair had to do with um you know his own uh recognition of like this is all top of game people this this is all high pressure high stakes and to your point about natalie it only takes a single bad dish for, for that that's going to be the the distinguishing factor a single bad dish can send somebody as talented as Natalie a winner of the previous episode home just like that and that i think is like a a a thing that if it pervades the rest of the season it's going to be a damn good season it, it it added a lot of tension that isn't always there certainly in the early going because one of the things that i think you and i both like about top chef is the spirit of camaraderie that it is not cutthroat it's not hell's kitchen or something that all of these chefs are professionals um who understand that it you know really you're only as good as the team behind you et cetera, et cetera. and so we often celebrate when chefs say you know i'm not going to use all my uh ginger here take some from my station or whatever and to look at that and consider that natalie be approached this challenge that way it was a team challenge she was making a lemon curd dessert and essentially gave away all the lemons she had because her team couldn't afford any other citrus and then she went home because of that so right. it, it, it was a, it was a rude awakening for those of us who do. I mean, I, I probably am in the minority about this. I, the competition is the least interesting part for me, honestly. But <laughs> this is a competition, and it's 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 going to get it's going to get gnarly. Yeah, this, so the, it's going to be great. Uh, it feels like it has the potential to be another ter- terrific season, and it was worthwhile for us to invest the time to share with with all our taste buds out there. 
um, you know, how tantalizing and titillating we find the 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 arrival of of Top Chef at the end of 2018. But let's look back at the oh, year. If if I can, I'm sorry to interrupt. Please. This is your rodeo. Please do. But because we generally only talk about Top Chef at the beginnings and ends of seasons, I just wanted to put you out on the record if you had any other front runners. And I specifically wanted to ask you about Chef Eric, who is from your hometown of Washington D.C. and appears like a very appears to be a very strong contender as well. Yeah, I I love um, the the walk of life that he comes from, and I I will say I, I haven't um, encountered any of his work here in D.C., but I'm I'm rooting for him, uh, you know, just just as my own local hometown hero. And I, but I'm also finding appealing. I feel like this is a nice segue in in 2019. I I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot more experimentation. <laughs> With food coming from Africa, yes. I feel like you know we 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 had kind of a moment with um, Filipino cuisine mm-hmm. in the 2017 2018 time frame, and I just feel like there are a lot of chefs uh, that that kind of have Eric's background um, that are pushing. Uh, Eric's specialty is West African cuisine, and he he has a dish from Ghana mm-hmm. uh, that that he's um, particularly shared already in in this season. Um, I just feel like there there is a moment coming for us in 2019 where a lot of chefs across this great nation of ours will be pushing that and trying it, um, and and it'll some of it will depend on kind of like uh, you know the ingredients that are available on their their particular locales and putting you know the New Orleans spin and and you know maybe the Seattle Washington spin. I just feel like we're going to see a lot of that kind of cuisine coming from a lot of folks. No, I, I I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think it's very exciting. And I think that if we if we consider uh, the great chefs to be the ones that keep pushing, it's only natural to push past borders, arbitrary borders that we've created. And we saw that in episode two of Top Chef, where Chef Eric was taking a dish that was presented to him as a Kentucky favorite. It was a banana a banana dish, and pushing right. it to a dish from Gabon in Africa. And another chef points out that, well, of course, the African-American tradition in the South comes from Africa due to people being brought over very much against their will in the slave trade. And, you know, we've had incredible work done Southern cookery over the last few years. and It's become much more accepted and understood as its own distinct um, food way, as people say. You know, chefs like Sean Brock um, at restaurants like Husk and McCready's pushing back, you know, pushing back decades and centuries to get to the root of some of these dishes and some of the seeds and grains that we've forgotten about. But let's push further. Let's keep pushing back because nothing began. Well, that's unfair. It's not that nothing began here, but a lot of our Western, so-called Western traditions that we brought to this country, that immigrants brought to this country, uh, they didn't start at the borders of this country. So I think it's exciting to, to push further and connect these dots in ways that can only be delicious. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, your own experience. Now you you worked <laughs> your ass off in, in 2018. So I'm not sure how much food television you got to watch, especially in kind of the latter half of the year. But 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 let's let's talk a little bit about some things that caught your eye. Yeah, this was a an interesting year for food TV, and one of the reasons why it was so um, interesting was because Netflix really jumped into the space uh, with dare we say, an empty stomach. Um, you know, this this was the year that Netflix's strategy to not just eat the heart out of the prestige TV networks with, you know, with with, with drama series, et cetera, um, that strategy morphed into they're coming for everything. 
They want to be the only place you go to watch everything that you want to watch. And sometimes that took the form of, you know, their experimentation with talk shows or, you know, multi-camera comedies like the broadcast networks broad, uh, broadcast. But particularly, they made a giant push into unscripted programming. And so they were basically gunning for Food Network audience with shows like Nailed It, which I've heard are good, but I, I have not really engaged with. And then also for the Bravo aesthetic um, with shows like The Final Table. I think the most successful of Netflix's unscripted offerings were both food shows, and they were both um, pointed a way forward for food TV um, past Parts Unknown. And I would have be saying this even if we hadn't tragically lost Parts Unknown and Tony Bourdain this year. I think that uh, even he would have celebrated these shows had he been around to do to do so. Uh, those shows in particular are our ringer colleague David Chang's Ugly Delicious and um, Samin Nosrat's uh, uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Right. Those are two, two high watermarks when I'm making my list. Obviously, both of those jump on there. Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, I, uh, only four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that there's that, that uh, Samin has the time to do 40 because I just uh, like her so much. Her, her food exuberance is what I aspire to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh, call myself a food enthusiast, but her, her sheer, uh, you know, the, the, the reverie around like a single bite of food, like her physical enjoyment of it, the physical reaction that she has is so relatable and it is the singular thing that i really like i say i kind of aspire to it i hope that that when i'm out eating with people and you know sharing my own enthusiasm for food that that's what they see in me um and it's why i I just could watch her for hours on end yeah i think that the best shows take on aspects of the host's personalities it really you at this point you know people understand how to use their their red cameras or whatever and they know how to find the back rooms and the back alleys and the chefs Netflix has, has proven with Chef's Table that you can make anything look beautiful and sumptuous and desirable, even if, as I often find with that show, the content is a little a little bit empty. But I think that Ugly Delicious and, and Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat were so good because of the way they mirrored the internal experience of their hosts. And for, for David Chang, you know, he's really having this moment, and it's across his podcast too, of he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure out what engages him, what moves him, not just in terms of food, not just in terms of camaraderie and, and friendship and, and community, um, but also in terms of psychology. And so Ugly Delicious is all over the place, but it is an honest reflection of his journey in a way that I find very exciting and very relatable. For Samin, it's just she loves it. I think you said it exactly yeah, it, right. She loves this stuff. It, it, it is so funny, that distinction that you just drew between those two shows, because the word that I wrote down for Ugly Delicious, which is obviously, you know, in, in, in my my top five, the word that I, at the very top is sprawling mm-hmm. because, you know, he deliberately, David and, and, and his uh, cohort on the food journey, uh, Peter Meehan, mm-hmm. they, they deliberately have a, just a, a a fuck ton of of guests and restaurants. They cover so much territory. I was I looked up specifically the taco show because I remembered that show as, as standing out to me and it like sh- being such a revelation on something that I thought I knew something about. Um, and and you know they had thirteen special guests that were chefs and restaurant owners and and food writers and covered you know a, eleven different restaurants on like mm-hmm. four different continents. 
and you know it really uh, uh, delivered. It's it the, all of the 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 combination uh, and ambition of Ugly Delicious as a travel show, as a culinary documentary, as a you know as a foodopedia, you know, as an explainer, and and telling the story through uh, you know just a whole crazy diverse number of of uh, characters and voices. Again, another kind of. Uh, um, experience that to me it's an hour long it could be three hours mm-hmm. long now I don't know if it would get ponderous uh, it, over time but but I'm I'm interested each time that he has somebody like Roy Choi or somebody like Christina Martinez from South Philly Barbacoa mm-hmm. like there's a whole story that Christina can tell and that she does tell she sort of touches on it a little bit I could have a half hour with her and it would be a very satisfying half hour as a viewer I think it, it is, there's something about that show that just celebrates complexity and nuance and the impossibility of perfection or knowing everything it, it, it combats this idea that there is one good version of something or one expert version of it and you feel at first Chang's frustration with that you know like that one of the great things about the taco episode is he's such a curmudgeon that when the, the late great Jonathan Gold and Gustavo Arellano and others are taking him on this taco crawl he's like I don't even know if I like tacos they're less you know they're they're <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer Chinese food and for these reasons, you know, and then he breaks, yeah. he breaks. But this idea that once you learn one thing, once you pull a thread, and this is the joy of falling in love with food or wine or whatever, you're never going to know it all. Once you pull the thread, you're going to keep going and going and going. And and he celebrates that chaos in a way that is, I find very appealing. And then on the flip side, you have Samin who's just like, Parmesan cheese is fucking amazing. It's just delicious. Right. It is the perfect thing. And she she weeps that it's so good. And yes. there is something that is both deeply satisfying and calming about that realization. But that is her whole mission, right? Where it's just like you don't need to study the taco or whatever you're talking about to the ends of the earth. You just need to understand that it, whatever you're cooking has to be well salted. It has to be heated well. You need an acid element. And then it can just be good. And it's a very different message for a food show, um, especially historically when, you know, going back to like Jacques Pepin or Julia Child, they said they were making it easy, but they were still cooking something in front of you that would require marketing and, and measurement and all the things that that becoming a good cook historically had involved. So one one of the things that that you mentioned, uh, and and we've observed this uh, with Netflix and, and um, them sort of jumping in across the entire food television spectrum, they have, you know, gone ahead and, and walked into the food competition space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Final Table. Give me your 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 early thoughts. Where the whole thing is available right now. I've tried to watch it kind of on a weekly, like you know, week by week basis because uh, I've that's my my historical training. I, I am a, an old person, so that means that I'm not a person with a, with a, with the binge impulse. Uh, I still like the episodic ver- version of things. It's why I, I think I. I think that's part of why I love Succession so much. Yes. The HBO uh, drama this year. It, it, uh, but in any it, event. It's not because you also uh, want to eat an Ortolan with a napkin over your head. <laughs> I mean, you do m- a lot of the stuff that was consumed in that show is not anything that I'm eager to, 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 to jump into. <laughs> Say no more. The Say no more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with you about the weekly thing, first of all, especially for a competition show. But I... I say this, you know, everyone's mileage may vary. It's very clear that people like different things in in their food television. You know, a uh, friend of our podcast on The Watch, Jason Manzukis, the great comedian, was on the other day, and he was really 
telling me Getting Behind nailed it, and I will check it out. But what he led with was it's about failures. And I'm like, I don't want – and it's about baking. And I'm like, I'm not interested in baking or failures. I like yeah. it when people do a good job. So I understand that people may have different experiences. For me, The Final Table is a miss because it it seems to target exactly what I think food TV ought to be getting away from, which is the myth of perfection. It has uh-huh. the pomp and circumstance of uh, the original Iron Chef, but without the tongue-in-cheek irony that I think Iron Chef always had, the Japanese version certainly. Um, it presents this idea of the great masters being invited to the great elevated table to do the best version, to be judged by Mexico's greatest chef, Enrique Olvera. Like Enrique Olvera is a great chef. I've been to his restaurants in Mexico and New York, but Puyol is not my favorite restaurant in Mexico City. There's a, and I've had better food at street trucks in Mexico City. And he would agree too. But by going on to a show like this, you buy into this narrative um, that there can be only one, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm watching the show and it just feels completely devoid of all the camaraderie and the messy humanity that you and I are praising on Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, on Ugly Delicious, uh, on Parts Unknown. And watching it after listening to, uh, again, this is a, this is a, I'm, pl- I'm plugging our own stuff here, but um, Jeremy Fox, an incredible chef here in Los Angeles, had a very um, compelling and honest appearance on Dave Chang's podcast. And they're talking about their own psychology and why they, why they, you know, have made fear of catastrophe central to their beings and what a, what a, how awful that can be for themselves and their coworkers and their families when you're cooking and in pursuit of something impossible like perfection. And they're being so honest about it. And it feels like they're moving the needle both in terms of what we understand and appreciate and also everyone's health in the industry. And then you watch a show like this where it's just like it, it, it's just such an exclusive club performing. That it, uh, that it loses anything real to me. The, the idea of these great chefs from Brazil and Ecuador and Scotland making tacos for a boxer's enjoyment, I, I don't get what that is. It's a game show, and maybe it succeeds on those terms, but in this conversation where we're talking about all the other stuff that we are, it, it, it misses the mark for me. So I, I think for, for many of the reasons that you just mentioned, it is, that is exactly the appeal to me. The things that it's missing... Um, the, the the humanity, the messiness, the tension, the interpersonal tension, um, the 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 sort of communal element of it. Although I like the partnerships and the way that they work um, quite a bit, and the fondness that some of these partners have for each other is compelling. To me, the reason that that um, the final table is enjoyable is because it's easy. It doesn't challenge mm-hmm. me, um, and and it lets me take on its epic in 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 scope. It's epic in presentation. It looks like it's in a spaceship. It's a beautiful kitchen. Every ingredient is available, uh, and 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 they're they're all in in perfect shape. And it's just these folks, um, you know, the, at the top of their game, trying to be the best that they can on these individual things. And it just lets, in some <laughs> respects, it takes the pressure off. It's an easy decompressed thing. Like, uh, it, it's a, in, in many respects, it's the amuse bouche for me. If I'm if I'm going to sit down and watch some serious television, mm-hmm. having a, a, watching a half episode of Final Table is a nice way to just turn off my brain and watch it. It's visually stunning. Um, everything looks beautiful to me, and the people are all pleasant and charming enough, uh, and diverse enough 
that it's like this is easy. I can do this, and now let me sort of move on to something that that is really going to sort of grab grab me emotionally. I can I can believe all of that. I am curious about your psychology towards eating as you enter year two or three of being a food media professional. Hungry homies, another quick break. Let me tell you about the Jules sous vide. The folks at Chef Steps have this awesome sous vide device that I have deployed and employed through the holiday season. Chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. These are the people who are helping you do it right. You're going to host the most delicious dinner party. There's still several weeks left of the holiday season. There are dinner parties to be had. You need to host these things without stress, and that's why you're using the Jules sous vide. When you cook with Jules, there's zero guesswork. So your steak, your chicken, your seafood, your turkey, your roast, even eggs, they all come out exactly the way that you like them because cooking with Jules is hands-free and it is dummy-proof. They're telling you what to do. The instructions are very straightforward. Even a person like me, who's not necessarily a gadget kind of guy, this thing is built for people like me. You can focus on your holiday guests, watch the game. I'm watching a lot of games. Perfect your pies. The Jules is doing the work for you. It lets you cook a lot of food at once, so it's easy to cook for a crowd. If your guests are running late, or your appetizers and cocktails are taking longer than expected. Maybe you're making something fancy, a Bovardier for the season. No problem. The Jules holds food at perfect temperature, so it's ready when you are from perfect steak to tender flavor-packed holiday. Hams and roasts. Jewel is making the best food you've ever tasted. I am stuck on the beautiful salmon. I'm getting sockeye salmon. I'm paying the premium for the Alaska sockeye, producer Kyle, because that's just where my taste buds are, are at through the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating, as you, as you know. We're having the turkeys and the roasts and the meats and everything, but every once in a while you got to have something during the week. A beautiful piece of salmon is the thing. The sous vide is the way to make it, to get yours my hungry homies visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use code carbs to get $15 off for a limited time that's chefsteps.com slash j-o-u-l-e and then enter code carbs jewel perfect food every time do you find obviously the joy of being a consumer and being hungry in this country at this moment in this time is you can feel free to appreciate the taco stand on your corner and uh, the three Michelin star restaurant that might be downtown, whatever it may be. Do you has you have your personal taste changed in similar ways? Like or are you do you still enjoy the pomp and circumstance of a fancy restaurant? Do you like being in someone's hands and being given a tasting menu or have you grown weary of that? In your own personal I, dining. I, I will say I, I, I still love it all. I, I kind of arrived on this thing um, through the, you know, the, the dumbest of circumstances. That is, you know, giving an opportunity to share my love of food uh, on a podcast. Loving um, sort of food in, in all walks of life. That is, you know, the, the, the food truck that I can walk a half block to uh, and enjoy a, a, a Jose Andres, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, torta 
or you know going and sitting down in in you know one of the recently uh you know three-starred michelin rated restaurants here in in washington dc area and and just being you know spoiled i still love that that all of those sort of walk of life uh aspects and the, the experience of it I, the thing that i um have experienced in, in since starting the show is like being a um more curious and a lot more attuned to kind of like the origin story. I'm a lot more interested in mm-hmm. how did this dish come to be? What are the elements of it? And what like what food tradition is this coming from? And what was the chef trying to what what's the communication here? What 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 is this person trying to say to me? I, I completely agree with you, and I think that's why. And I'm not trying to. And this is something that my kindergarten age daughter has taught me. I'm not trying to yuck your yum here. At all. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's why I think I just bumped on the final table because it is in a gleaming spaceship. And I and I realized right. that I can't uh, I'm, I'm less interested in that than I would be if we saw any one of those incredible chefs. And by the way, they really recruited an incredible uh, uh, solar system of talent. Um, I would just rather see them cooking on their off day. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's weird. Like. I don't know. This would be a whole other conversation, but like Instagram as food media is a whole separate thing, and and Instagram stories. And of all the chefs I follow, and I follow a lot of chefs because that's very very fun and and calming and transporting for me. Um, it's not Rene Redzepi, who we saw a lot of on Ugly Delicious this year, and is considered by many to be the best chef in the world. Uh, he, House of Carbs guest and and ha- incredible House of Carbs guest. Not not just. Yeah. It's not his Instagram that I love. It's his wife's. And his wife, uh-huh. uh, Nadine, is a—I mean, she calls herself just like a home cook, and she's obviously has incredible ingredients and has a beautiful kitchen. Right. But she's just doing things like making rice and frying an egg on top, and it's just hypnotic to me because it looks so delicious and it looks so simple, and yet clearly it's 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 elevated, you know. And so I I just find like my attention is turning more and more to that. Um, now that we have all of these options, you know, it's not yeah. seeing Timothy Hollingsworth, who cooks at Odium here in Los Angeles, thrown into these artif- these these I don't want to say artificial, but amped up situations uh, is less interesting to me than wondering what he does on Sundays when he's not working. That's great. So, you know, one, one of the things and this is worth a, a conversation. I This is I'm happy to have you back from Briar Patch. I want you to do the very best you can with Briar Patch, <laughs> but I need you in, we need you in our, in our lives here at House of Carbs. We, uh, we got to try and, and, and make it a little more regular because he, part of the thing that you're touching on is your own um, experience with, with media mm-hmm. and television and, and that food relationship. And, and I think the, where we're sort of uh, uh, different, different in, in um, approach is when I look at food TV and and consume it, I'm not really thinking about eating. I don't think mm-hmm. about the 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 eating experience. I'm I'm enjoying the television for what television delivers to me personally. Um, and in many respects, uh, as much as anything, I've had my hard thinking and my hard talking during the day. Right. Uh, as, as as much as folks might um, not think that I work very hard doing a food <laughs> podcast and a golf podcast. Uh, when I get home, I like to turn my brain off sometimes and that and the final table lets me do that. Yeah, I mean that that actually I completely agree with and that speaks to something that I learned a long time ago when I was the T V critic, which is it's presumptuous to assume that everyone wants to be challenged all the time. I mean people use T V for very different things. There are plenty of things that I watch just to just to 
to, to, to wind down as well. Everyone does. And, you know, your mileage may vary on what you want out of anything at a given time. And you're right that also what I like in Top Chef, I, I pay attention to the food. But what I do like is the professionalism and the camaraderie and the, the sort of watching people push themselves, you know, which, which are kind of narrative points. It's not really about the perfect braise on the whatever. Um, yeah, right. No, I, 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 I completely agree with that. Yeah. So so let's let's hit on a couple more highlights of, of 2018. We have to talk about Parts Unknown, uh, even though it's still it's I, I, I hate to say too soon because uh, there's been enough time. But like watching each episode now feels uh, simultaneously. It always has that thrill of um, taking you somewhere you've not been before, thinking about something in a way that you had not thought about it before, having a revelation. But it's bittersweet because there isn't going to be season 12. And so I'm not quite over the heartbreak yet yeah. of, um, you know, it, it, it being able to separate out the, the beautiful journey that, that uh, Tony's taken us on and, you know, knowing that, that there isn't, there aren't, you know, another dozen to 15 waiting for me in, in 2019. Um, did you have any particular episodes of, of this most recent season, the last season of Parts Unknown, um, that, that stuck with I, you? I'm, I'm happy to talk about all of them, but I also have to be honest, I really couldn't bring myself to watch them. I, I saw segments yeah. from them, um, yep. but I still feel, you know, and, and I, I, at first I want to say it feels presumptuous to, 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 to claim that it's too emotional when I barely knew him and, you know, there are people who, who certainly knew him and loved him and are much more affected uh, by the thought of engaging with him or seeing him on screen again. But in a way, the beauty of, of that show and of our relationship with him was that we all knew him um, and mm -hmm. he was our guide to these places. And I, I, I still can't quite process it. Honestly, it is it's too devastating. Both, you know, you can separate it. It's devastating as consumers and fans because what an incredible gift it was to know he was out there making television and opening doors for us always. There were always going to be more episodes, right? And more places to see and more places to, more, more dishes to hear about and learn about and characters to meet to inspire us even during periods of our lives or our lives when we're unable to do those travels. Um, but then beyond that, just this, this deep, deep loss that I don't know even how to... Um, process or even articulate where he was, you know, the ultimate guest in the world and so many people rightfully felt so emotionally close to him and he gave himself constantly. I, I spoke about this when I was on your podcast earlier in the year, the generosity with which he gave himself to anyone in the world and how lonely and how unknowable he was at the heart of it. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I uh, well, I don't know the dude. I never met him. I'm just a fan. But that that relatability um, that you're describing, relatability barely scratches the surface. I did sit and watch, you know, meaningful portions of uh, a handful of, of shows, and and I just want to give a quick shout out to mm -hmm. to the Armenia episode where he goes and he experiences Armenia, and he and he says right up front, "I never considered coming here. It wasn't on my list. I don't know how I missed it." Um, and the, the singer from the band System of a Down, Serge Tankian, mm -hmm. um, apparently reached out to, to Anthony 
and encouraged him and they they came up with um you know the, the right uh time and the right way to tackle it and he went in there and and it's just if you can I mean this is TV where you have to be prepared if if you're if you're a person from a walk of life like like uh brother Greenwald and I where you're going might be emotionally affected by still the loss of 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 uh Tony then then you you say well this is going to be a little bit of a heavy watch for me because I'm 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 you know I'm sad that that he's not around uh but you know you can just st- still revel in in watching a master take on something it's a super challenging topic and a super challenging show because of Armenian history and the genocide mm-hmm. that is barely like a hundred years old um, and and the complicated uh, uh, political um, world that that folks of Armenian descent have to try and navigate and and the food that came out of it it's just a, a very very uh, full and complex and heavy uh, show. So it, it, I, I just had to talk about it. Of course. And I think it's also worth saying, I mean, first of all, that's an example of, <coughs> excuse me. It's an example of what we were saying where there's always going to be more places to go. You know, there were always going to be places he hadn't considered or thought about or places he could revisit with a different mindset later in his own life. But it's worth noting that, and I think this was evident in the season premiere of this final truncated season, when he went to Kenya with Kamau Bell, the show was always fairly joyful. You know, when he was there, when he was sharing table with people, he was always completely in the moment and engaged and, and, and obviously quite generous. And, you know, Kamau Bell wrote about his experience and how positive it was in the moment for him. He was never able to tell there was anything under the surface. And when I had the chance to talk to Morgan Fallon, one of Tony's longtime directors, when he came to film me for the, one of the, the specials this year, he talked about that, that, you know, the experience of filming the shows was, even through these last episodes that weren't entirely finished, was always, always professional, always adventurous, always high-spirited. Um, it's just such a tragedy that, you know, people weren't able to reach whatever was lurking under the surface, you know, to, to give him whatever he may have needed because he gave us so much. Yeah, no, it's it, it's true. Um, we're going to end uh, this, this, uh, this, this chat. I want to end it on... A little bit of a higher note. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful note to again have the opportunity to recognize Tony and his contribution. But I want to hear, uh, give us what one thing. Like if we're see, it, it, Christmas is a week away uh, or so, and and then we have uh, New Year's holiday. Everybody's got a break. What's one thing looking back in eighteen that you highly recommend we 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 jump into if we haven't had a chance? Wow, uh, the whole year. Um... Let me. Well, so what what did you watch that you loved? I think that I, I I think that in the world of food TV, obviously, I'm fired up about the new season of Top Chef. But just in terms of an episode that suggests a way forward, and again, we're so lucky to have a way forward in a year when we lost what had been sort of the north star for this type of television that we all love so much. I think Ugly Delicious may be that show going forward. I think it picked up the mantle, and I think Dave Chang has talked about feeling the responsibility of doing justice yeah. to this type well, of, of television. I'm going to interrupt you for one second yeah. because I want to make sure we give a shout out to No Passport Required uh, as as well. The Marcus uh, Samuelson yeah. um, exploration. Did you, were you <laughs> able to catch some of that? No, I, I, you're, you're reminding me that I missed it and I need to. 
Oh, great. I, I, it's such a rare uh, instance where I've actually seen something that, that you have. I, I strongly recommend it's just on this, this particular conceit that you're describing right now, which is how do, who's going to pick up the mantle? Who is going to be our emissary? And I think the answer is it's going to be a bunch of people in the same way yes. that the LA Times has hired four folks, at least four folks, to try and fill the void that Jonathan Gold left in terms of covering the LA food scene. With 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 uh, Anthony Bourdain's passing and and you know who's going to take us to these um, locales that may be right here in our own backyard but reveal to us food traditions and cultures mm-hmm. and and pathways to use that word that we otherwise might not uh, have thought about. Um, let's let's make make sure Chang and 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 Mian are going to do what they're going to do and it's it's going to be awesome. But I wanted to make sure we in- included. Uh, the fact that a lot of folks are trying to to fill that void. I'm so glad you said that. I think you're exactly right. And I think that if there is any kind of like, if if, if there's a way to tie this in a bow around this, and there might not be, but I think it's really inspiring and and really hopeful that these, in a year where we lost these two titans that really changed the way we imagine food and culture in our lives and in the, in, 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 in their role in the world, in Tony Bourdain and Jonathan Gold, that there isn't one person to replace them, that what they've created is a generation and what they've done is empowered. And they would have believed in this as well. This is this was absolutely necessary to their work and to their projects was they've empowered different voices, a diversity of voices, um, of backgrounds, of races, of class, of gender to pick up the pieces and sort of tell their version of the story. And so you're right. It's not just David Chang. It's not just Marcus Samuelson. It's Samin Nosrat who... You know, yeah. we, we didn't even speak about the fact that it, it feels quietly radical for a woman to be going into these spaces and talking to people and expressing her opinions about food and stuffing her face. And, you know, be, behind the scenes of this first four episode season, and I agree with you, there should be more, I bet there will be, is the fact that for the acid episode, she had intended to go to her family's homeland of Iran, was unable to do it. But that is something that she still might be able to do. And at the LA Times, there's Peter Meehan, who we know from Ugly Delicious and is uh, a terrific thinker and writer, and Bill Addison, who I think is a brilliant critic from Eater, but also Patricia Escarsaga coming from Arizona as well. And Michael Bauer being replaced at the San Francisco Chronicle by Soleil Ho. It, 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 it's a, it is a, it's a moment of transition, but I think it's a very exciting and hopeful moment as well. It's great. Two middle-aged white. Well, I shouldn't include you in my demo necessarily. Oh, I've moved into your demo. I've moved into your demo, baby. (laughs) Two middle-aged white guys talking about the passing of two middle-aged white guys that were previously our food emissaries. And we're talking about six different folks from, from completely different cultures can not not a white person among them that are going well actually addison you know uh shout out to bill but you you know that the, the point is uh you know it g- g- good on us i guess in a way right good <laughs> this, for us this is Lucky like us is we, we are I'll like a it. bunch of dinosaurs getting into meteor criticism you know what i mean being like <laughs> Luck, lucky us like I love the one that hit that other hemisphere. It'd be great if another one hit us, but no, it's 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 time. You and I, you and I are done. You and I are done. But uh, <laughs> it's it's so true. But at least we'll eat well on the way out, and 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 have great TV to enjoy exactly. on the way. Andrew Greenwald, my dude, you were overdue. We can't wait to kick off 2019 with you. I know that there's going to be some great television coming up. Best of luck with uh, Briar Patch. Enjoy the holidays. I'm looking forward to seeing your Instagram. You're not afraid to put up some of the food and wine when I, you're enjoying it. I am not afraid. Happy holidays to you. Come visit in New Mexico. Let's do that. My man, I'm. I, I, the, the, the invite is accepted. Thanks, great. buddy. 
Wow, that was a meaty conversation, my hungry homies. Brother Greenwald always brings it. I, 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 I just feel like we could talk for a couple hours and cover a lot of food terrain. We have the food news this week. It is a special Christmas edition of House of Carbs. So Juliet is on to tell us about Christmas in New York City. But let's have a quick word from our pals at Sonos. Taste Buds, upgrade all your entertainment with brilliant room-filling sound courtesy of the Sonos Beam, which is the smart, compact sound bar for your TV. It's super easy to set up and pairs with your existing remote if that's what you want to do. And even though it's connected to your TV, you can still play music, podcasts, or audiobooks when the TV is off. So boom, you pair it with the Sonos One, which is a mini but mighty smart speaker that fits perfectly on your countertop, around the corner, the bookshelf, wherever you want this guy. And you get an even richer listening experience in more rooms of your home. Once you connect Sonos One and the Beam over your Wi-Fi, you can play music in the kitchen while somebody's watching TV in the living room. Or if you want to rock the stereophonic experience in your abode, group all the speakers together and play in sync. I mean, literally, producer Kyle, play in sync. Oh, bye, 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 bye. Is that the song? <laughs> yes. Yep, that's bye, the one. Bye, bye, bye. Let me try. Bye, 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 bye. <coughs> they better bye, send bye. us an extra Sonos for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Everything works together seamlessly. I have been playing in my home. Now, we we had a wonderful, let me tell you, Producer Kyle, last weekend. We were a little late in the game getting the tree set up this year, but we did it last weekend, and we set it up in the big empty room uh, in the front of our house uh, for with, like, appropriate for her for hosting. That's where the tree, the tree goes. And we have the Sonos Beam in there, uh, TV in the in the cabinet there. And, of course, we put on, I said, Alexa, play holiday music. And you know what? It was, it was, what was nice the first song. Vibe. Do you remember the first song? Uh, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Nice. Nice. I don't remember. Everywhere I go. Yep, that's the one. Know. There we go. That's it. So you go to Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com to learn more, my taste buds, and order your Sonos Beam. Give your own self a little Christmas present, a little holiday gift. Go ahead and do it. Order your Sonos Beam to start your smart home sound system. All right, my culinary comrades, it is now time for Food News. Yeah, Juliet. Hello, what's up? How are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm great. You you are doing greater than I. You are living your best life in New York City at holiday time. The stretch from Thanksgiving through New Year's in New York, in 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 particular Manhattan proper, is is just magical. Uh, I'm sad to say I'm not going to be up this year, but I, I so love it. I love it the way it looks. I love the the spirit of the city. How are you enjoying the city? It's been delightful. It's been lovely. I've been going to, I've seen like 
three different plays slash musicals. So that's been really nice. Taking me to the belly of the Taurus beast. Uh, it's been very nice. And then I actually, I've had the luck of going to um, the new Momofuku noodle bar two times. And the second Whoa. time, yeah. the second time I got set at the, at the chef's counter, like totally randomly. And just like, I just ended up sitting in front of the chef whose name is Tony. And chef so Tony, I was served shout by, out. by, yeah, I was served by the chef and he just like, it was such a delightful experience. I have to say, getting having the chef serve you is really awesome, <laughs> especially when it's completely by accident. Now, did he serve you uh, a set like if you're sitting in front of the chef kind of set menu thing or is it just creative and spontaneous and because you were vibing, he was hooking you up? Because, well, two things. His name is Tony Kim, by the way, just just to be clear. And he's the new executive chef of Momofuku Columbus Circle. And I went just because, like, I love ramen, not because we happen to have the Dave Chang podcast and Dave Chang is a friend of the ringer. But, like, I just went because it was convenient for me and, like, kind of close to where I live. And then I ended up in the last seat at the chef's counter and he was, like, right in front of me. And so then I just, like, introduced myself. And I was like, hey, I'm Juliet. I think we have, like, know some mutual mutual friends. So I name dropped. Yes, I did. Very embarrassed. But it was, like, would have been weird if I hadn't, you know? Right. No, no, no. That's not an embarrassing thing. And I don't even think it's a name drop. It's a form of identification. I am a, you know, I, I, you, you were saying to him, here is my walk of life so that you know. And I, I you, you already kind of had an, uh, an, uh, frame of reference for his walk of life, but you got to know him a yeah. little bit. Personally, that's not a name drop kind of thing as far as I'm personally concerned. Thank you, House. Well, anyway, he was a really nice guy. And, and and then I just ordered what I wanted. But like because he was right in front of me, he like checked in. He's like, is this how like how do you like it? And it was delicious, obviously. I had like a, a beef, a beef bun, and um, which was like the item of it was like a it was like a dipped, it was really good, actually. It's like a combination of like a what are those sandwiches called? French dip sandwich, like a yes, yes, yes. broth. Yeah. It yeah. was like a Korean take on that. It was like a beef bun that you dipped into the sauce. It was so good. And then I had these scallion garlic noodles, which is like ramen minus the broth. And it was just really, really delicious. And also I had a tuna crudo, which I got compliments of the chef. I think they just give out like random dishes to people there. Cause that was before I introduced myself. So I was just like, oh, cool. And yeah. I think you're, it you're, was awesome. you're right. Did you, 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 uh, did you know that the pod father was on a few weeks ago and he shared his own experience at the Momofuku Noodle Bar at Columbus Circle. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So he he had the French dip bun as well. He sang its praises. Is it what's it called? Is it called the French dip bun? It's called a beef dip, I think. Okay. Okay. It's so, not so on the, the menu. It's like a, it's like a yeah. special item. And it has to come through the flipping clip the the board the rotating board right. Yes, it does. If the board flips, it then indeed. it's your day. Yeah, it was great. I just loved it. Well, I'm, I'm, anyway, I'm that's, thrilled. That's what I've been up to. <laughs> that that well, you're you like I said, we we started this off with you. You are living your best life. Um, there there's the living proof of it. Uh, let's talk about some stories. Okay, the first one is also holiday related, and it's it's dope. If you are flying out of the Philadelphia airport, make sure you go you stop by Popeyes because they are now selling in a box to take on the plane. Emotional support chicken. <laughs> There's uh, not a lot to it, but as Hope, Hope Diaz, the company's chief marketing officer, says, we know holiday travel can be frustrating and there's no better way to ease stress than the box of delicious Popeye's fried chicken and a good laugh. It's $8.49, the chicken tenders meal, 
And it's uh, the same price as the one that you get at a regular Popeye's, but it comes in this dope box. Then you get on your plane and you have a good meal to go with you. So this is wonderful. I didn't know that that, that was going to be the punchline. All I saw was the headline, Emotional Support Chicken. And I was very, I'm happy, I'm relieved that we're talking about eating a chicken. I was worried that it was somebody <laughs> trying to bring a chicken onto a plane and that the chicken didn't survive. Fortunately, this is already prepared for your enjoyment. Uh, and I also appreciate the tongue and cheekiness of Popeyes. Obviously, Popeyes, one of my number one or number two all time favorite uh, fast food items, it has been documented. Um, but he- here's the thing I wonder about. I like um, spicy and well, I guess sp- both spicy and regular for the tenders. There, it does carry a certain fragrance. It's not a demure meal, and I'm wondering about pr- popping that box uh, on the airplane and what you're doing to everybody that's within like you know four rows of you. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not an animal person, but I just want to counter and say, is that better or worse than bringing your animal on on board and not worrying about how it affects other people? <laughs> well, the animals don't. <laughs> you hope the animals don't smell. And well, what about that Delta story where a dog took a crap on a plane and they didn't clean it up? They what? They didn't clean it up. They like this guy. It's a long. It's, this is a side side story. But basically, what happened was on a recent Delta flight. Someone's emotional support animal took a crap and this guy who had like, was it like in a, in his seat was like, it smells like shit. And they did. And they're like, no, sir, you're fine. And they made him like sit in it. And then when the, then when the flight landed, it turned out like there was like dog shit on the plane. Oh my God. (laughs) You didn't hear that story. (laughs) No, no, I I didn't. I I missed that clickbait. I didn't click. I didn't click the the poop plane. I didn't click on the poop plane headline. (laughs) The etiquette of what you bring on a plane is very complicated. And I say this is someone who flies very frequently. I, I, my own self, I was traveling a ton in 2018. And, you really were. Uh, now, I, I, I was lucky enough. I was upgrading quite a bit. I was using my, I had miles accumulated. And so I, it was a f- decent mix of front of plane experiences or, you know, towards the front of the plane for me. And then rear echelon. There were some rear echelon moments. I will say I flew southwest a handful of times in 2018 um, to Vegas and then out to to Long Island as well. Uh, Different experience. Different experience from from other – and I think more of of what you are kind of intimating about the wide variety of experiences you might encounter flying uh, America's airways these days. Yes, it's it really is complicated. Anyway, I support Popeyes. I like this humor, and I would be okay with the, if someone brought fried chicken onto the plane. That's that's my long story short. Me too, a thousand percent. I just want to be sensitive to my fellow human beings. But since the bar is so low, since we're talking about the poop plane, I guess that I, I my expectation is if I bring fried chicken and it's delicious, and I know it's delicious, and you know it's delicious, and everybody's going to think it's delicious. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. Okay. Okay. Um, Boom. Okay. This is another gross story, but we the first one wasn't gross. I just made it gross. So I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this one comes to us from ESPN Outside the Lines, and it's about stadium food. Outside the Uh-oh. Lines did an investigation. Yes. It's not great. They did an investigation, and here are some things they learned. 
A health department inspector found found a mouse in a commercial-sized bag of Cracker Jack at Coors Field, which is in Denver, in September 2016, along with five live cockroaches in a trap in a storage room. Two weeks earlier, inspectors had found copious amounts of mouse droppings on a kitchen floor in food prep trays inside a bin of rice and amid bags of cookies that had been chewed. Dead mice were found, and another live one had been found. <laughs> this is all at Coors where, Field. Where? Where? Are all these in Colorado? I- Yes, but oh. they also went on. The venues with the highest percentage of food outlets that incurred one or more high-level violations in the two-year period include the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, Palace of Auburn Hills near Detroit, the American Airlines Center, referred to as the AAC in Dallas, and Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. So this is, okay. a, this is an epidemic. Well, no, those are just all, they all get crossed off the list. All Those are five... <laughs> Stadiums that I, I'm already don't I don't have any reason to hustle and, and get to see the teams that play in those stadiums anyways. I, I I don't care about those teams. I'm not interested in them. And the fact that they uh don't take proper precautions to to preserve the sanctity of the delicious food that they serve to the to the hungry homies out there, that's a that's the third strike. I'm they're all I'm out on all of them. I want an updated story. I'm, they're all on five-year probation. I'm not going to any one of those stadiums for, for another. Now, the, all these violations date back to 2016 or some of them more recent. Some of them more recent, but I believe it's 2016. Most of them. Wow. I, uh, they're all on five-year probation. I'm out on all of them. Talk to me in 2022. <laughs> Will do, man. Sounds great. <laughs> I was okay. saying, now, speaking of, of stadium food experiences, I, my own self, went and saw my beloved uh, but but enormously frustrating Washington Almost Bullets Wizards uh, defeat the Lakers Sunday night. And there is inside of there, speaking shout-outs to our boy Chang, a Fuku stand, which is his version of the spicy chicken sandwich. And yes. I had a chicken sandwich and the tenders. And uh, it was wonderful. So that's that's. I want to finish on a positive note. When stadium food is done right, uh, it can be a, a terrific enhancing experience. And this may, I may have been enhanced by the twenty-four ounce beers, which were you know plentiful and very available. Uh, and I had more than one. That probably helped the whole, the whole experience. But uh, you know, when when stadium food is done right, it's it's a winner. That sounds that sounds delightful. Actually, I was at the yeah. Nets game a couple nights ago, and I, I almost had Fuku, but then I just didn't get anything. But I thought about it. Well, that it's just nice to All have right. the option. Absolutely. All right. I have one more story for you. Are you ready? This is a happy uh, one, I promise. I'm sitting down. This is from the state of Alabama. Some Shelby County, and by the way, it's from WBRC in Alabama. Some Shelby County students got a nice surprise from their bus driver earlier this week. Shelby County was one of several school systems delayed by black ice on Tuesday. That was of last week. So I believe that was December 12th. And by the time the notification went out for the students, some bus drivers were already on their way to their first bus stop. So one Montevallo, Alabama bus driver decided to, instead of going back home, he'd pick his students up some breakfast. Transportation coordinator Rick Vine says he got a call with the bus driver because his act of kindness was spreading quickly around Facebook. The parents were told that breakfast would not be served because of how late we were going to school. My understanding is that he bought 30 to 40 biscuits. So yeah, he probably bought it for every child that rode on his bus. This is a really happy story. 
And you want to know what? A lot of the best food news stories come to us from Facebook. No, I, 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 uh, I'm not speaking about Facebook. Um, <laughs> you know how I feel about okay. them, but I do want to Fair say enough. I'm interested in in do they do they source the biscuits? Where are the biscuits from? They didn't say. Okay. Wish I, could I think you okay. went to McDonald's, right? Oh, they, producer Kyle says they went to McDonald's. I missed that somehow, but yes. You you know McDonald's. what the 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 biscuits at McDonald's surprisingly I would say underrated. Because people really? don't think, yes, yes, yes. You Well, I'm glad to have that reaction from you. I was going to follow up. People don't go there and say, I'm going to have the, the biscuit thing because it's you, you don't think about, you don't associate a McDonald's breakfast experience necessarily with the biscuit. But I, I'm here to tell you the sausage, egg, and cheese on the, the biscuit. Now, I'm a McMuffin dude. I've been on the McMuffin, you know, really since the first time I, I ever – Put McDonald's to my lips. I was on the on the McMuffin, but um, don't sleep on the biscuit. A very well crafted, in my experience, and and uh, there's a flakiness. The texture they get the texture right feels like every time. Don't sleep on the McDonald's biscuit. Great tip. I will keep that in mind for my next McDonald's visit in LA. I live right near one. Boom. I mean, for for breakfast, McDonald's is still like right up there for me. I'm not hitting many of the burgers anymore because at my advanced age, when I'm thinking about a burger and I know that I have to like deploy, allocate a certain number of calories to that meal and then I need to process the after effects of all that, for that kind of investment, I really want it to be a burger that knocks my socks off. So not really crushing a ton of McDonald's burgers. I haven't been on a road trip in a while. Uh, you know what's but, good at but, McDonald's? It, it, the um, the egg white McMuffin is really good. Yeah, it's called yes. egg white delight. It's really good. Yes, this is it. This is why I, this, I'm, I'm, I'm here to celebrate McDonald's breakfast and, and kudos to them for making breakfast available all day long because I, you know, I'll have a McMuffin at, at two o'clock in the afternoon. McMuffin and fries is delicious, by the way. Oh, yeah. Great meal. Great meal. Yeah. Great meal. <laughs> great meal. <laughs> well, House, have a great Thanksgiving. A gr- great Christmas. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, on that note, it's a it's a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I think we're going to have Ky- – Producer Kyle, what's the story? Are we going to have one more food news in 2018? What do you think, Juliet? Sure. <laughs> you got it. All right. One one more food news. We'll ring out the old and, and, and bring in the new. Uh, we'll try and have some something that really sums up our 2018 food news experience for all for all the taste buds out there. Thank you, Juliet. Um, enjoy no the problem. eating and and all the beautiful uh, pageantry of New York at Christmas time. Thanks, Hazel. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy uh, your holidays as well. Thanks, pal. Boom! There we go, hungry homies. Before we let you go for this beautiful Christmas holiday. This House of Carbs episode will be up all Christmas week, so you get to listen to it. But I had to compare notes with, with producer Kyle. Now, I, my own self, I have a tradition. Uh, so by the time this show is up, I will have, have uh, indulged in this tradition. I get together with a group of fellas every year to kind of you know uh, commemorate and celebrate the wonderful year that was and look forward to the next year. It's a gigantic steak Lunch. We have a, a great lunch here in Washington, D.C. There's a steak restaurant inside the Four Seasons called Bourbon Steak. We've been going. We've been doing it for years. We order 
every cut of meat that's on the on the menu, and then we ask them to bring in a little bit of extra meat. I think mm-hmm. we're doing the gigantic tomahawk uh, this year. You have to order it uh, well in advance in this, to get the size that we need. We drink all the red wine that's in the house. Producer Kyle, I saw on the Instagram you had – an unbelievable holiday steak. Was it a dinner? Yeah, it was a dinner. Cousin Sal. And what was this? This was Cousin Sal hosting all of his ringer homies yeah. over at Adam Perry Lang. Speaking of, of hungry homies. Uh, One of, of the hungry homies. Yeah. Beloved guests on, on House of Carbs. We love APL. It was a great uh, episode of House of Carbs this year. So you, this was your virginal experience at uh, APL, right? Yeah, definitely. So you, so you, you, you we were... got the tomahawks. We got two big tomahawks. We were we we're all gonna order. It was like there was like the 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 big group, which was out like Sal, and we saw Jimmy Kimmel walking around in there after the show. I guess so. He he sat down and joined us, but it was Bill, Sal, um, and then it was like the, the trifecta. So like Harry uh, from Against All Odds and uh, Brian. Uh, Darren couldn't. Oh, make it. so the 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 degenerate Harry, trifecta yeah, was in the Harry house. came right from the airport, looking like he, he with like a gym bag. It was it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> what else, what else is there to do? I mean, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's he made there it on time. One, he made it on one time. purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then and it was so, Titus and Jim Cunningham and and myself and Tate. So it was, yeah, it was so a good all, group. all the greats. We had the one shining pod folks in the house yeah. with the against all odds folks, producer Cunningham, producer Kyle. Uh, Bill Simmons, Cousin Sal, and you you glossed right over this. You didn't expect to encounter any kind of uh, fancy Hollywood celebrity action, even though they're, they're cousins, but Jimmy Kimmel himself in the house, yeah. unplanned, and he became the host of the dinner. Is that right? Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, so we were all looking to order, and they were just like, they let us, I guess, look for a couple of minutes, and they had just decided they were like, boys, we're, you know, to the younger group. They were just like, we're, we got this. Don't worry about it. And they ordered two huge tomahawks uh, and then uh, two two big uh, short rib plates. And my God. Boom. And guess who got the leftover? Split it with Jim Cunningham. But uh, Oh, they, nice. They brought us into the basement afterwards. And I, I wanted to take pictures, but it was like, you could tell it was like, there's the meat locker down there. And then there's like APL's like hangout. You know what I mean? And it's like this oh. curated, rustic, like hangout place. So we were we were down there for a little bit. And uh, the, one, the one thing I would note is that... Um, they were letting people go into the meat locker, and Jim came. I guess Jim wasn't paying attention, producer Jim, and then he walks in there with it. They were all putting booties on, and Jim walked in there without the the booties. And APL gave him a, gave him what for? That was pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, come on, producer <laughs> Jim. You know that 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 meat locker's only got like a couple million dollars worth <laughs> of meat right. inside there, for that's Christ's right. sakes. Yeah, I mean it's it's literally like a a bank. It's like a vault. Yeah, it, it, it is a vault. It's literally it a, a meat. It's a meat vault, and it's got you know real real valuable commodity down yeah, there yeah. well that's a lesson you only need to learn once i'm glad you you beat me to apl i haven't been yet uh so i still haven't did the, out, the steak sandwich so we go during the day i'd, I'd like to do all the right steak sandwich. We'll, we'll, we'll make two trips i I need to try a tomahawk obviously and i want yeah, to try the short rib and we'll, so maybe when i come in the next time the first thing i'll do when i come from the airport i'll meet you there we'll get the sandwich during the day and then at night we'll go back uh for for a proper dinner yeah and then we'll just drive um, straight to the hospital that ba- <laughs> Did you say the hospital? Yeah, I mean, dude, come on, you know how I roll. I'm yeah. a big boy. Yeah. Um, there we go, hungry homies. Everybody, please enjoy a wonderful Christmas with your families. Uh, enjoy some beautiful eating. This house of carbs shall be up all week long. We're gonna do one show to to sort of usher out 2018. We have one last show teed up for the end of 18, beginning of. Of 19. Until then, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs>